Hey, costume nerds. This is Spencer Williams, co-host and producer of the Art of Costume podcast. This episode was recorded prior to the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes and is being released on part of previous set agreements. The Art of Costume and the Art of Costume podcast team, including Elizabeth, Daniel, and myself, wholeheartedly stand in solidarity with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA as they fight for the future of fair labor practices in the entertainment industry and work to ensure a sustainable and flourishing entertainment landscape. It is crucial to acknowledge the indispensable contributions of the hardworking individuals both behind and in front of the camera, whose dedication and creativity are the driving force behind the film's and shows discussed on this podcast. Without them and their tireless efforts, none of these productions would be possible. That is why we support the WGA and SAG-AFTRA in their fight for a fair and equitable deal. For further information and resources regarding how you can better support and even volunteer, please check the show description for links. Also, please consider donating to the Entertainment Community Fund, an organization that directly benefits workers affected by the strikes, as well as provide a safety net for performing arts and entertainment professionals. Now, please enjoy the show. Probably doesn't help that so much of fashion today is inspired by the 90s, so don't want it to feel like a contemporary show no exactly exactly so hopefully we've succeeded but um <laughs> i don't think we ever saw the queen wearing any fun hip 90s clothes though so. no. No. <laughs> hello and welcome to the art of costume i'm Elizabeth joy glass and I am Lord Spencer, Duke of Pasadena, Spencer Williams. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> oh, things are good. You know, uh, by the time this comes out, I would have just did a panel at Comic-Con. So, you know, it hasn't happened yet in yes. the present time, but I'm assuming it went really well and I'm excited to talk about it on the other side <laughs> i know i'm so excited for you i was so jelly when i heard i was like uh i like straight up tried to get tickets to comic-con but they were already sold out yeah <laughs> their ticketing system is insane <laughs> i know uh but i hope it went well i'm sure it did yeah it's pretty awesome <laughs> your interviews always go great your panels <laughs> go great it's gonna be great oh well, thank you. Um, I have some one costume rule them all updates to share before we get started. What? Let's see. Uh, we have some updates from Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was a fun episode. Yeah. I really loved reliving uh, that episode, watching the film for like the hundredth millionth time. But it was exciting to see how much everyone who was listening enjoyed it too and sharing in the beauty of these legendary costumes. So let's see, see here. Um, well, of course, not shocking to anyone. The favorite character from our audience was, of course, Dr. Frankenfurter, played by Tim Curry. That was easy, easy peasy. While Columbia was in second place. So good for you, Columbia. Yeah. And then we got some messages sent in. So let's see here. Jade the Great, mm -hmm. which that's a pretty cool name. 
Uh, That's a very cool name. Good for you, Jay. <laughs> um, Jay said Frank's costume from I'm Going Home is their favorite costume. So that's a good one. Oh, I like that. Uh, and then Meredith Ammons said the Rocky shorts were their favorite costumes um, and said that they just saw them at Hard Rock in Orlando. So that'd be really what? cool. I, d- I can't believe that these costumes exist somewhere and they're not in like someone's storage bin in a rotting garage somewhere. Oh, we'll have to go to the Hard Rock Cafe in Orlando. <gasps> yeah. Well, if someone could a go Disney on... trip? Sure. No? No Disney trip? <laughs> so this Hard Rock is for sure by Disneyland, right? I don't want to end up in Orlando for no reason. It's in Orlando, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's all in Orlando for the travel <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, we must continue on with our adventure into royal costuming. And uh, this week we have a pretty special treat because we're watching a show that you and I love a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Everybody, this week we watched The Crown. <laughs> specifically season five but honestly we just it all blurs together so we are pulling from every season left and right i sometimes forget claire foy isn't playing the queen anymore so you know (laughs) (laughs) i always gotta remind elizabeth (laughs) which actor we're talking about right now (laughs) they're all so good though like i think i think that's like part of what's great about it is like all the actors and actresses who play these roles over the seasons it's like their performances are so like consistent and they build off of each other so well you're like it feels like one actor is doing the whole thing yeah the transition is very seamless and the casting is just top tier i mean i cannot get over uh elizabeth debicki who plays Mm -hmm. princess diana i mean oh she's so good can it be any more close (laughs) you know it's so good yeah, so I just love this show, and the costumes are brilliant, and the costume designer is brilliant. So I'm just mm. going to get right into it with a little, when I say little, this is kind of a big summary, but a little big summary. Yeah. With the new decade in its stride, the royal family is presented with possibly their biggest challenge to date, as the public openly questions their role in 90s Britain. Queen Elizabeth approaches the 40th anniversary of her ex- of her accession uh, ascension accession <laughs> no that's not ascension right ascension to the throne <laughs> queen elizabeth approaches the 40th anniversary of her accession <laughs> i can't do it elizabeth i can't say that word <laughs> just leave it in daniel people know what i'm trying to say Prince Charles pressures his mother to allow him to divorce Diana, presenting a constitutional crisis of the monarchy. Diana decides to take control of her own narrative, breaking a family protocol to publish a book. And finally, tensions rise further as Mohammed Al-Fayed arrives on the scene. And that is The Crown Season 5, wrapped up in a pretty small nutshell for the amount of history they cover. Yes. Oh my gosh, season five is so dramatic. I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> People are always like, oh, the crown's not realistic. I don't care. Just no. keep giving it to me. I don't. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Like, history can be boring. You've got to <laughs> spice it up. Yeah, a little spicy. <laughs> and also, if they did it historically accurate, like, Claire Foy would definitely still be playing the queen. 
this series would be going so slowly. Like, mm -hmm. and like, let's not all let's not pretend like you, all of a sudden you all are so fascinated by royal history. You know, if we went yeah. really by historical facts, <laughs> that's like the biggest complaint is how vanilla they are. You know, so. Anyway, let's go behind the costumes. Uh, the crown was created by Peter Morgan with costume designer Amy Roberts. You will know her work from The Virgin Queen, for which she won a BAFTA award, called The Midwife. Ooh. She did, I believe she did one season of that. Oliver Twist, for which she received a BAFTA award. Upstairs, Downstairs, for which she received an Emmy nomination. And she designed some of Doctor Who between 1978 and 1983. Wow. <laughs> Fourth and Fifth Doctors. She was there creating Doctor Who history with costumes. Oh, you, you two need to get in a room together. I imagine you have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Uh, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh. I would like, I like, I'm so happy you've done all these interviews, but I'm like, I wish my schedule didn't like conflict so much. I know. I know. I would be I, there in a heartbeat. I need to like somehow figure out a way to teleport over to you and like kidnap you for just like a few hours every few days. We just need to live in the Star Trek future already and I could like beam myself over yeah, yeah yeah that works and she also has been designing the crown since season three yes and i am so excited to say that uh i was able to hop on a phone call with amy roberts and when i tell you that i started panicking when i got this you know email to talk with amy roberts i there's some interviews where we just feel like that's just not possible, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, I always thought Colleen Atwood, not possible. And Amy Roberts is up there with me, you know? You just think, like, there's no way this person who designs costumes for the crown would ever have time for you. Yeah. And this was the most whirlwind 30 minutes of my life. So <laughs> I'm so excited to share this interview with you. She is so charming and so lovely and just has so much great insight and such a great storyteller. And I could listen to her talk forever. So sit back and enjoy this interview. But after interview, don't go anywhere because then Elizabeth and I are going to uh, play our favorite game. with you about the costume design for the crown i've been watching the show since the very beginning i've been quite a supporter of your work since the third season so this is a real honor thank you so much thank you that's really nice of you uh, i first would like to begin with the scope of the project you know we never talked before but obviously the crown is a rather massive project at this point you've been on show for a little while but i imagine it probably doesn't get easier so to set the stage what does the preparation look like for the crown? How much time do you usually even have? What goes into the research? We do we do get a good amount of time. I mean that it's a job that you can do properly and they're very respectful of every department's work. 
which is a lovely thing and the very supportive the production you know netflix and left bank and so it's a, it, you never feel that pressure of of oh i haven't got time we haven't got time to do it properly so so i do we do get a good preparation time to kind of seep yourself in the research i mean i do obviously read the scripts the whole point of this job is your storytelling aren't you so the script is the thing those brilliant scripts that we're given and then that springboards you into obviously events that you know are real events like weddings and funerals and so on that have to be researched and we start off i don't um when, when you come into the studio we start off with a huge board of every character the queen well, no, not every character. The lead characters, the Queen, Margaret, Queen Mother, Philip, and so on. Oh, wow. And they each have a little visual journey on this massive wall of the real people, the real people. And for me, that's it's always there to the point where you don't notice it anymore, which I think is a great thing. I think with research, you do it, and then you've got to forget about it, and you have to put your stamp on it i think Mm. it is about the royal family but i still maintain it's like a lot of dysfunctional families isn't it which we all come from and i've always said to me doing the crown is like doing this huge opera (laughs) you're right in ways it's it's very relatable to everyone even in the most unrelatable family it can be relatable in ways Uh, i mean you look at the i really watched the other months the godfather you know the whole three seasons of the godfather of course it's not like the crown but you can reference that saga can't you in a way mm-hmm. and which i found fascinating and the breadth of it and the vision of the designers the set designers the props the decorators of the rooms the hair and makeup and the clothes and the uniforms and the crowd scenes. And it's a a terrific project and all of that coming together, I think. I I think that's what's been very important and special about doing this job, really. So (laughs) this might be a hard question, but is it even possible to say how many costumes do you think move through your workshop? I don't, because every... (laughs) I mean, each season say one season 10 episodes there's probably 300 speaking parts 280 to 300 ish you know and everyone is fitted or made for and the same applies to every member of the crowd they are all fitted so it is a mammoth undertaking but if you don't do that or we're lucky enough to be able to do that I think it shows, doesn't it? So there's as much, I hope there's as much care in the queen as there is in the dustbin man in the street. Do you know what I mean? I think, I I think that's important. Yes, because sometimes, you know, good costume design is the costume design that, you know, disappears into the crowd to really help it, the that, audience immerse themselves in that time period. Thank you, Spencer. You're absolutely spot on. I always think you might not even see that, but it's there, isn't it? Subconsciously, it's, right. it's there. Also, we have them. I have the most brilliant team who are so enthusiastic and 
love the job and just want to do it brilliantly. Each person, it's oh, it's wonderful for that. Oh, yes. Major shout out to the team. I can't, it major. must be a huge team, I imagine. Major, major <laughs> shout out. I, you know, I'm the, well, I don't know why I always call myself like the captain of the ship, really. And <laughs> I kind of kickstart it and say, this is how I'd like it to look. This is the color palette. This is my vision. And then, you know, all these brilliant people get to achieve that for you. Um, so, yeah, I'm just a start it off, really. So you kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, there's obviously a lot of historical context to the crown. But there's also moments where you get to take some creative liberties uh, as a costume designer. Could you talk about the balance between understanding when you and your team are creating a look that is to be historically accurate versus when you know you get to create an original design? Does that guidance come from the scripts, or you just kind of know? I think it, it is the storytelling, you know, moments where, you know, you've got to be forensically accurate about um, a situation, an event, whether it's a uniform, often the uniform. And we I don't do the uniforms. We have a brilliant team run by Max who who does deals with uniform Ooh. that, you know, complete fanatic about it, <laughs> but they're, they're, they're in the scripts. You'll have like Prince Charles's, um, you, you know, when he was made Prince of Wales, you've got those moments, you've got a weddings and funerals, particular speeches possibly where the queen is giving a speech that people know about. I think we have to be, fairly spot on with those, maybe slightly interpret it ourselves, but there's huge swathes between those scenes, aren't there? As, you, as you've already said, where it's more imagining what those people might wear, but also Spencer, to be honest, I want to give it a look and a style. I almost have to forget it's the Royal family a little bit. Mm. But, I mean, I don't forget it. You know, you, it's, it's knowing a bit about their style, like Margaret's sort of bolder, isn't she? And and has a, a different energy to the Queen, a different a, dif- a different path in life. And you can, it's my job in a way to maybe push that a little bit. With particular, those two sisters are quite a good example, I think. Right, because at the end of the day, it's still television, you know, and you have to yeah, it's amp still it up for the storytelling. Bit. It's yeah. storytelling. Like I say, it's a story about this big, dysfunctional, operatic family, isn't it? The fact that we think we know them, of course we don't. So it's a, it's a fine balance, I, I think, where you have to be forensically accurate. Then you have to be cinematic and glamorous, say, with situations with Margaret when it was Helena Bonham Carter and um, when she visits the American president. You know, that dress was nothing she wore. We just wanted uh, something startling and glamorous, you know. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> you like that one. Also, you're dressing <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter. However brilliant the actors are at taking on board their characters, you're still dealing with a, a flavor of that person, aren't you? And Helena was just, you know, Helena's a unique 
kind of force of nature, really. And it, somehow your ideas spring from that, to how to dress her, um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So now let's kind of turn our attention toward the current season. Uh, in comparison to previous seasons, the fifth season takes place in a slightly more uh, contemporary period, I would say, compared to what we've seen before, being set in 91 to 97. Yeah. Tell me about this evolution across the show, because previously your work really spanned the 60s to the 90s. So how did your team grapple with this evolution? And does that shift in fashion affect the palace the same way it does the rest of the world? I think a little bit less. You know, the queen is the queen. I think, if anything, the remember, we have new actors. So we've, we've, got, we've got new actors with five, aren't we? I believe Sorry, so. Sorry, because I just finished. I've just finished six, so my head is <laughs> things. I think. So we have, we have Melda Jonathan, yes, uh, Elizabeth yes. Dominic, yes, and Leslie. Yes. So <laughs> that helps us. That helps us move along because we've got new bodies. <laughs> I think the Queen, you know, it's like the Queen Mother. She never changes, does she? She always looks like she did, you know, from the 1930s almost. Right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, but I think having new actors physically helps you visually or the audience will uh, believe that. And I think the Queen is older now and greyer, thick around the middle. So those little, those adjustments... And yes, her style does change a bit. Hence, this the mood boards we have up. You realise her dresses actually become more simple, um, more accommodating to her slightly more ample figure. So they don't. I don't think they necessarily. She doesn't say, "Hey, we're in the nineties now." Whereas <laughs> somebody like Diana will. It's always the younger. I remember Sid, mm. when I, was, I am the co-designer now said it's the younger ones that pull us into the era and the fashion, like Diana and Anne. Anne was much more 60s, 70s, you know, with her miniskirts and all that. And then we've got Diana now really leading the way in casual wear because we don't see, we only see her in a couple of public events. So we are dealing with her, again, almost being like a prisoner in her flat what does she wear? You know, just puffers and jeans. And I mean, it was interesting how the younger people in the, in the team and the production absolutely loved her clothes. They're quite relevant again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think she leads us in and actually the crowd do the, the, the crowd scenes are very careful with their research because it is different. The nineties is different, isn't it? It's it's more subtle than the eighties. The eighties was, you know, what the eighties is like. Right. <laughs> so I think just being aware. It's it's harder now. I think it's harder because the nineties, it's it's subtler, isn't it? Those little changes. Right. It's more subtle, and then it probably doesn't help that you know, so much of fashion today is inspired by the nineties. So you yeah, don't want it, it to uh, feel like a contemporary show. No, exactly, exactly. So hopefully we've succeeded, but um <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever saw the queen wearing any fun hip nineties no. clothes though. No. So <laughs> no. that'd be a fun cut though. 
I know. Well, you actually mentioned Diana, so maybe this is a good time to bring up uh, Diana, mm-hmm. Princess of Wales, played by Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, yeah. As it, this must have been such a daunting task because when people think of Diana, I really think they think to this time period in particular. So, I mean, as much fun as this is, what what were the challenges? I think it's it's remember it's also a gentle lead into it because we've worked with Emma Corrin mm-hmm. in four, and and that it's not wham here's Elizabeth now wham we it's been a journey or well, it's a different actor of course but that you know we've gone from that shy awkward girl in those puff sleeves and liberty prints and whatever into she's more streamlined isn't she i guess now it i think if you think about it spencer it's daunting i think if you thought about doing this job you just wouldn't you just got to jump in in a way (laughs) just don't think about it (laughs) no don't think about it she's just this gorgeous woman and we're going to do her proud hopefully and elizabeth of course is gorgeous so that's helpful I'm just thinking five. And and again, it's storytelling. I remember we were thinking it's very cloak and dagger, isn't it? She's really paranoid. So the fact she's wearing those big 90s coats, polo necks and sunglasses and baseball caps, it's like hiding all the time, isn't she? She's in disguise almost when she leaves the house and goes to visit her brother and you know, and then the, she does the famous interview, and they all come hidden in the car. It's all—it's a bit like a a thriller in a way. So the clothes—does that make sense? It, it it the clothes helped in a way. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I feel like there's a lot more. She's a lot more conscious about what she's wearing, but also mm. she's not as much as afraid. I would say she's not as awkward, so she's. You know, she pulls out the quote-unquote revenge dress at one point. Yeah, and she's a mother now, and she's larking about at home with the boys eating hamburgers, and she's jeans <laughs> and barefooted, and, you know, she's like a she's slightly more, I don't know, real. And I think, again, we've had very few scenes with her in the public eye. We rarely see her out and about in a glamorous dress, do we? There's a couple of ones in suits, you know, those blocky, strong colours, red, apple greens, less, you know, the big, stronger shoulders, big buttons. I think those were like visiting the hospital. But most of her scenes are private. So that, I think, was the challenge is to, and what does she wear? You know, that amazing scene when they're divorced and Charles comes to the house, the flat, and she omelette and that was where you just make her very simple don't you with bare arms and I think we put her in little flat shoes I can't remember jeans just this domestic scene and in that story that scene you think that well that's why their marriage didn't work it's all told in that one scene and he's in his suit you know kind of English tailoring shirt and tie and hanky and (laughs) I don't know yeah, I, I think you've answered it brilliantly. So when you have these new actors come on set, I'm wondering, 
does it feel like you're starting fresh? Do you exchange notes? Is there, I imagine there's an intimate collaboration between you and the actors. Yeah. You, yeah. You're starting again. It, so it, it's interesting how, because they do two, two seasons each. And the first season, always, I think it's new and slightly needs, the wheels need oiling a bit for all of us. Mm. The second season, I don't think it's noticeable, but to me, I always think it's, we've all settled in. They, the actors have settled in to playing their roles. We as a team have got used to them, their body shapes, what works, what we can push, what, and then you start again, you know, <laughs> season five and six, you're going to do it again, which is good. It's a good to have a kick up the butt to, you know, not get um, lazy about things. But yes, to talk and it is collaborative i'm there to help uh, get it right but they're playing them they've got to wear it I, whatever job you're doing i think it's important to be collaborative and hopefully it works better them and their input is as valuable as mine i think as i kept saying to dominic west when we'd argue about what tie he was going to wear <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah, I think that's and and it's um it's a massive part of the job. I think any costume designer you must have talked to will say it, it's it's very an intimate relationship with an actor. It, it, it's being intrigued by them as people, how they're going to portray it, how they feel, and and you're dressing them. It's quite odd sometimes, especially the first meeting when you don't know each other and you've got to talk about your vision, what they might feel. Right. And they're still trying to find their own character at the same time. Yeah. And that's nerve wracking, I think. And then some, the next, maybe the next time they've got to come in and stand there in their underwear and have their measurements taken. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a very um, curious journey and it is a journey, very rewarding infuriating and irritating and funny and <laughs> lovely all those things really all those feelings feel quite normal based on the conversations i've had uh yeah <laughs> yeah so jonathan price plays prince philip the duke of edinburgh this is a character who i'd say is rather discontent at this point in a series where he is in life but recently found a new friend giving him a bit of drive to keep active new companionship. Hmm. How would you say this journey inspires his costumes or vice versa? Well, I don't think he suddenly, you know, slips into loafers and slacks to impress, <laughs> impress the, his, his... No uh, short shorts uh, or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it does. And I don't think a man like that would really. I think he has a style. It's very simple. It's very plain. Always quite elegant, I think. Um, I mean, we see this carriage racing. I know that's kind of, but that's nothing to do with their. Well, I, I don't. No, I don't think it does actually, Spencer. I don't. I don't think it does. I don't think he's that sort of guy. He's yeah. he's old. He's confident. Why does he want to impress her? Yeah, uh, he would laugh at this interview right now. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and if and we're to assume that they are just friends, you know, uh, you know, cerebral friends. They just love to talk, and you know, as he says in that 
scene with Elizabeth, um, is it episode six or something, when they go to Russia, he, he says, you're, you're not enough for me. I think he says that, but that's what he's implying. And she has to kind of really cope with that. I think that's so brilliantly written. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant episode. It's so good, isn't it, Six? It's so good. That whole epicness of the Russian Revolution and the assassination of the royal family and the link to pulling it to now. It's just so clever. So clever. Well, my favorite character in terms of the scope of just the entire series has always been Princess Margaret. In this season, she's played by Leslie Manville. In terms of her costumes, I would say Margaret never feels afraid to play around with her look and pushes the envelope in terms of, you know, subtlety of the royal family as much as much as you can. How would you describe her style? Well, I think you're right. And in a way, yeah, you look at her reference pictures, but we do push it a bit more and make it a bit more fashion. I think, Spencer, we also try to give it a bit of a, of a style um, that's maybe a bit us. And I think we can do that a lot with her. You know, I've said this earlier, actually, to somebody else. You know where she meets Peter Townsend and she hasn't seen him for years and they look up. And Leslie and I thought, well, she's not, she's going to go for it. She's not going <laughs> to go in a nice little Navy number. She's Jolly well gonna go for it and put on some armor and get out there. So I said, <laughs> let's do the brightest pink we can find. Oh, with I love great- it. So she looked like uh, like praying mantis, didn't she, with those sleeves? <laughs> and because it's Leslie Manville, honestly, Spencer, you could put her in a black bin liner and she owns it. I've never worked with an actress quite like that, where she just comes in, gets her body padding on, because we needed to make her a little bit more curvy, give her a Princess Margaret bottom, and she just welcomes it, you know what I mean, and owns what you give her. She's so exciting. So she puts this pink dress on, and that's it. She does it. She gets on with it. And she goes into that wood-panelled room with all those naval uniforms and old guys in blazers. And she's wham, isn't she? And the crowd, we made sure they just had soft colours, the women. So she's really, you know, stands out. She just pops at all times. She pops, absolutely. (laughs) Wait till you see the final episode, Spencer. It will break your heart. Oh, man. It will break your heart oh i don't like the sound of that i mean i know kind of had an idea but still (laughs) it pops no more uh anyway but maybe next year or next time we'll talk about that i'd love to talk to you about her journey the last one that will be probably the top of my list put me in your diary spencer (laughs) (laughs) well final question you know the crown has now been on for five seasons 50 episodes with more on the way as you just mentioned yeah you've been with the crown now for a little while so looking back what has this experience meant to you and your team oh it's meant huge amounts of stress and (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, in season three, when I started it, I didn't know what I'd let myself in for. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, I remember ringing my agent saying, how how could you get me out of this? <laughs> because I just, it was so overwhelming and huge. And what they do, they do double banking. So you might have one team in Scotland doing, you know, barrel moral stuff and shooting and whatever. And one team in Spain uh, doing Diana and Charles pretending to be in Greece. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> All at the same time. And it kind of messes with your head. Anyway, we kind of got the hang of it. So that's, that's, I mean, that is the truth. But of course, why do I come back? Because the way you can duck and dive from 1953 to 1911 to all, all this era, all held together by this, it's incredible storytelling. And you're nothing without a decent script. And it's, it's been so rewarding and you know the final product is going to be excellent because everybody on the team in costume, design, hair and makeup, props are phenomenal. They're like at the top of their game and it's exciting. It's exciting, Spencer. I think that's what I loved. It's thrilling and scary and you can be brave and bold. And that's a lovely thing in this job, I think. Well, well, your work has been incredibly inspiring. And I just am so appreciative of you for spending your time with me to talk about this. Uh, thank you so much, Amy Roberts. You have been fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. And I'm going to take you up on this. We're going to be talking about the next season too. Okay. So I'll ring, you, ring me before Christmas when you've watched it. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for joining. It's been such a joy. Bye, Spencer. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Hello, Blogcast listeners. It's Elizabeth Joy Glass, co-host and producer of the Art of Costume Blogcast. If you're like me, you love to show your support with a comfy tea or tote bag. Well, now you're in luck and can show your support for the show and grab some sweet merch by heading over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy some awesome tea Public merch with the Blogcast logo, such as a shirt, sticker, tote bag, and a baby onesie for all your little costume mavens in the making. Thank you for all your support and head over to the Art of Costume slash pod store for all our great merch. Oh, Spencer! That was so good. Oh my gosh. She really knows. Like... That was incredible. Isn't she so lovely? I could. So lovely. <laughs> honestly, when she said, like, at one point, like, you're so right, Spencer, or something like that. Like, yeah. honestly, it, like, put me down. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> She's like, put me in your diary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that part <laughs> was, was adorable. so wild. I couldn't believe. Uh, yeah. I love her. She is so brilliant. And I just love what she has to say about the costumes of the crown. It's yeah. just such a intense process, you know, 
fitting mm-hmm. costumes for every single one of these background yeah. actors. There's so many people in the crown. I just the limit does not exist on costumes. Yeah. And it's such a huge project. And like for the main characters, she could completely rely on history and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like get them this. But no, she like she really thinks about it and thinks what's best for the story and like how I I like she really thinks about how people are going to feel and how it's going to make the audience connect with the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she has basically a new cast every two seasons, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is insane. And then you're trying to like figure out the characters that they're becoming. You get comfortable with them and then they're gone just like that. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like this must be such like an exhausting mental, you know, mental project. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I love... I loved what she said about, you know, how the world starts to adapt into like this 90s fashion. But Buckingham Mm -hmm. Palace is just like a little bit behind. And but it's the younger people like Princess Diana who are kind of pushing it forward. I just thought that was it's kind of obvious, but still fascinating to hear and talk about. Yeah, no, it really is. And. I love that she said that because I also feel like that's something we see like in other historical TV shows, notably like just going back to even like Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. It's like the youngest uh, people in it have like the most current fashions while like the older, um, especially like Mrs. Danbury and like the Viscountess, like, yeah, like they're up to date, but they're still like more reserved. And then of course, Queen Charlotte is still very much wearing the clothes of her youth. So it's like, okay, like, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, the queen's all of a sudden not going to start wearing, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> cool hip Some little short shorts. Yeah. And a, and a flannel. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. With that, Elizabeth, I think it's time to play our favorite game. Are you ready? I'm ready, Spencer. Let's do it. Hit it. The one costume to rule them all. Spencer? Yes. <laughs> What's your one costume to rule them all? So I wasn't sure until I talked to Amy and she reminded me of a moment that I loved so much. My favorite character from The Crown has always been Princess Margaret. I just think that every actor, Vanessa Kirby, Helena Bonham Carter, Leslie Manville, I feel like they've all consistently killed it. And the story of Princess Margaret through the crown to me is just so tragic and heartbreaking. But then she's also still somehow the fun, cool one, the fashionable one, stylish one who's likes to party. Uh, So that scene when Princess Margaret has that heartwarming reunion with Peter Townsend and she decides to spice it up with that pink dress that Amy was talking about that they just both felt like she would definitely spice it up. I love that moment and I love that dress because it just says everything you need to know about Princess Margaret. And just to me, like if that was her last episode, that would have been the best last episode. It was just such a great moment for this character and such a great costume too and it's it's not like a crazy dress or anything but that color against you know what 1990s britain high society just says so much it definitely says everything about her character and i love it um i also loved the the dance at balmoral Mm, mm -hmm. 
everyone's wearing just like these fabulous ball gowns at the tartan. But I especially loved Diana's look. The white short sleeve dress with that like simple red tartan. Oh, yeah. It's the peak of her trying to fit in and not succeeding. Because she's just like, she she looks fantastic, A. But it's like, you know, she's driving the more current fashion and she just, in the white, she stands out. Like, in just the cut of the dress, the short sleeves. Like, yes, she's trying, but she's like, this is not who I am dancing around in circles. Like in full length gowns with this tartan around me. She's like, this is just not who I am. Yeah. It's so just like different for her, but she looks beautiful. And I just love the use of the tartan too, throughout those scenes. It's just like such a strong fabric textile. Uh, That's definitely a good one, Elizabeth. I love it. And I mean, honestly, you could probably pick any of Princess Diana's looks from the season to be a one costume to rule them all. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone was expecting us to pick the revenge dress, but we're more, I don't know, sophisticated than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the revenge dress was incredible, but that was, again, like that was one of those moments where she like knew where to like replicate history. And they like, that was a beautiful a replica of that dress. But like, I don't, I don't know. It didn't have the same like energy that I felt like that one did. Mm-hmm. Well, Elizabeth, this has been such a fun episode. I'm so glad we finally got to talk about The Crown. It was actually kind of unexpected. We were never meant to talk about The Crown this season. Mm-mm. But with this opportunity, we just had to because uh, yeah. honestly, we've always wanted to do it. But there's just so many great costumes. How are we going to do it? And we, we, we found our way. <laughs> we did. <laughs> uh, let us all know what your one costume rule of them all was. Uh, leave us a voicemail at 626-515-1826 or email us at the art of costume at gmail.com feel free to put in a subject line the crown or maybe you're still stuck on queen charlotte or i don't know maybe you're like hey i just listened to captain america and i just really need to talk to you about wanda's costume just put in a subject line so we know what you want to talk to us about and we'll read it on the podcast elizabeth what are we watching next week spencer i am so excited next week we are watching Poker Face. Yes. <laughs> One of the best new shows this year. Oh my gosh. I don't think there's a show on TV right now that I love more than Poker Face at this very moment. It is so good. Like it's up there with Queen Charlotte, but Poker Face Face may have just like a little like it's so fresh and new and interesting. I'm like, ooh. Right. I've I, it's fair to say I've watched it at least three times already. <laughs> it's just so good. And we will be joined by friend of the podcast, my good pal, costume designer Tracy Gigi Field, who will be here to talk all about the costumes of Poker Face. And if you came out and saw us at the Beverly Center a few weeks ago, talking about the costumes, you know how fun she is, how cool Tracy is. So it's going to be a good time. And Elizabeth, I'm excited for you to hear from her. It's going to be fun. I am so excited. Uh, If you would like some content from us in between episodes, you can follow us at the Art of Costume pod on Instagram at the Art of Costume on TikTok. If you would like to support us with a little merch, you can head to the Art of Costume dot com slash pod store. And if you really liked what you heard, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a little 
five-star text review on Apple Podcast and or Spotify. Elizabeth, this has been a incredible political American history, UK history, patriotic <laughs> month. <laughs> Examining both sides of the pond month. And America's ass, Captain America. Don't don't forget that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Until next week, I hope everyone has an incredible week. Goodbye. The Art of Costume blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. 